Hello and welcome to How Do You Do? Hey Flo. Hey Hat. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm all pumped. I know. Mm. So we've got a great episode for you this week. Uh, we're talking to Shah Grant. Shah's had a really interesting career where she worked in marketing at EE and she now works at A&R for BMG and that all rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> She's had some amazing experiences and has worked with some really cool people. Flo was fangirling over her quite a lot. I was a little bit so sorry because a lot of the interview is me fangirling over the people she's worked with but she does speak very beautifully about the music industry and I think you'll learn a lot so enjoy and we'll see you at the end. Welcome Shah. Welcome Shah. Hello. So we'll kick off with our first one. What do you do? Okay so I am currently an A&R, senior A&R for BMG. So I'm on the publishing side officially, which is really to be part of a team, but also solely responsible for signing and developing artists or writers or producers. Anything that I really believe in, really, I can sign them to various types of publishing deals. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the main part of my job. But I also make records for BMG as the records company as well. So that is a whole nother side of the business sister part that, delivers albums for artists. So, you know, puts music out, marketing, digital, creative, A&R, all of that within a record company. So we all sit within the same space on the same floor. And over the last year or two, there's been a directive to have us as publishers, you know, if we want to make a record, make a record. Like, if you want to sign something, sign it. Nice. Like, kind of vibe, which has been cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I have been doing a little bit of that too. So that sort of is still with a and A&R, but it's not just publishing it, I'm, mm. I'm records A and R as well. So really, it's they're getting two for one. And I've just got to ask, what is A and R? Yeah, my okay, question. So I was about to ask. <laughs> okay, cool. That's a good question. So A and R means artist and repertoire. So a, an A and R person is a person who works with an artist and helps them develop a repertoire. Mm -hmm. So that is them helping them make the music, pairing them with producers and writers, musicians setting them up with studio sessions, working with them to help set a concept or a direction. You know, so your your role as an A&R, once you've, say, signed someone, is to help them make their record. Mm -hmm. And and so you work together to do that and you deliver the record to the company. So you're responsible for to delivering this thing that they've asked them to invest God knows how much in. So you're like, here you go, company. Here's the record that you've designed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is my. That would be my job. Is so whether that's a single or album or an EP or whatever. In short, I help people make music. If that, if that sort of makes sense. Oh, that yeah. sounds like a lovely job. Mm. It's really <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, and how do you do what you do? So what does an average day look like? So an average day is very uh, a big mixed bag. Should I say? You know, the epitome of multitasking. I would say that my inbox. Every third email is a different subject, if not every email. And so it's a different subject about a different session or a different project that I'm working on. There are people maybe traveling in LA that you're working with that have sessions that you're setting up or, you know, trying to get a song cut by an artist. So you've got to go to all the labels mm. around town and have relationships with all the A&Rs in all the labels so you know what's going on so you can help get your producers in with their artists. Mm. So it's just a constant mixed bag of in and out, toing and throwing, taking a lot of meetings. And that's either meetings with prospective new clients because people obviously want to be signed mm. by us. You know, being signed isn't an easy thing to, to achieve um, as a writer or a producer. It takes a lot of time for them to do a lot of groundwork on their own before 
getting our attention. Mm. And then there's a series of meetings and conversations and listening sessions and studio visits to kind of build a relationship to see if we're cool and we yeah. would actually be good partners. Mm. So there's a lot of that in the to- in the toing and froing of what you're working on. And how many artists would you say you work with generally at one time? So in my publishing role, I, in terms of directly work with, I have a roster of about, let's say, five or six artists that I have either signed or have I've inherited when I joined the company. There mm. were people, obviously, people in my role move on, change jobs. So whoever they signed still stays signed to the company. Mm. So there's always a little bit of a rolling roster of people that need someone to, you know, look after them. So I inherited quite a few, actually, uh, producers and writers and artists when I first mm. joined. Um, so uh, there's a couple of people in there. So Ray Black, for example... Yeah. Um, I look after her. So I've built a very strong relationship with her since I've started, but at the time she'd been signed by someone else and she was sort of left with no A&R person to help represent her in the industry because every artist needs or every writer needs someone shouting for them and mm. rooting for them and helping them get open doors, you know. So yeah, sure. so taking on that role for her and then there were a few other artists and then I also signed people like Gigs, yeah, uh, Mo Stack with another A&R at BMG as well, Dan, we did that together another young Afrobeat artist called Kidda Cuds, another girl called Caitlin Scarlett as well. So a um, few people that I've personally signed that I've de- I'm developing and working with and also doing their own thing and already being great, you know. Mm. So a mixed bag of people that require different things from me. Some people just want to deliver their projects and take the money. Some people want full daily input on making the music and advice on sessions and all of that. And some want a bit in between. Yeah. So on the publishing side, that's a sort of, yeah, smallish but strong roster. And then there's the wider sort of outer layer of other artists signed to BMG that you're aware of and you're feeding into all the time. You you know, you don't sort of only work with your roster. So you're always trying to get people involved with anything that's great. Mm-hmm. So um, then there's another layer of artists that you're working with. And then there's the industry mm-hmm. that you basically want to be working with. And, you're, and, the, and then there's, the you know, the global industry Obviously, the America being the sort of cherry on the cake that you want your producers involved with or you want your artists to be breaking out there and stuff. So you're always sort of got an eye out on what's going on there. And, you know, so it's yeah. like a, yeah, you're, you're on the train. Yeah. And you, yeah. You, you're, it's, it's a fast one. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> you know. a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many hats to what you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many, yeah. It's It's definitely... You know, I wouldn't say intense. It is quite intense, but that sounds negative. It's not. It is. You just have to work out how to make it work for yourself. Yeah. And continuing on from the hat thing, what is your favourite hat about your job? What's your favourite thing about your job? Oh, um, it's definitely putting together and hearing something come out that you made. Yeah. Is just everything. The final product. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really something, and um, I think that the. There was a record that I made this year called Boasty, which is a huge hit. Huge hit. <laughs> and um, that was, you know, obviously half made when I when I heard it and signed it. And then finishing the record, putting it together and taking it to 100, it's probably, I'd say, what, 60% when I got it? Yeah. You know, working with Toddler T, working with everyone involved to just get, get that record where it was, was such an incredible process. Mm. 
Um, even though it's just a single, it was taking a risk on something as a publisher, bearing in mind I'm not a records A&R, no one's mm. expecting me to make this record. Loads of other people, I think, had actually turned it down. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't wow. necessarily to everyone's taste or yeah. no one could necessarily maybe they couldn't hear it I don't know but I just I just loved it mm. and wanted to do it and do you know what I mean that that was me taking on that bait of oh, if you want to make a record make one so I was just like well alright I'll, I'll make one then <laughs> do you know what I mean and yeah. that was that was the result you know and um, yeah just making it back and forth making comments on a mix or make, moving you know the lyrics around or chopping things up and actually making a record with someone when you're not necessarily um, well versed in the in you know the art of making music, which is a complete art, and yeah. and the language of it is something that you you can't just learn. It's not like going to school. Do you know what I mean? You really need to feel it and know what you're saying and be quite confident when you're delivering that comment to a producer that's probably done. 50 of these sessions this week. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's really important to feel confident when you're delivering that kind of thing. So that's been a huge achievement. And um, yeah, congrats, by the yeah, way. I mean, that's most yeah. amazing. And the video is amazing. It is. It's and super the people fun. who turned it down must feel like idiots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been like the record of the year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Definitely. Yeah. I definitely got a few, like, and I got a lot of help like, in terms of, you know, I've got good relationships with a lot of my friends who work in running other labels and clearing artists on the on the record is a huge part of making it. You know, you yeah. can get whoever you want on it, but if their label doesn't want to clear the clear their appearance, then that record can't come out. Wow, you know? Yeah. So i have you know, shout out Alex at Island for <laughs> clearing Sean Paul for me. And and, you know, all the other artists as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was just yeah, but it all came together in a really nice way. So mm. I was very happy. What would you say are the most important skills to have in your role? Would you say there's one kind of certain thing that you really need if you want to go into A&R? Yeah, I mean, you really do need to have selflessness. Mm. You know, you really need to give yourself over to the project, to the artist, and be able to put yourself in their shoes but also elevate them and help yeah. them move forward and, do you know what I mean, and be doing that even when they're pissing you off, even when they're not turning up, even mm. when they're having a tantrum or whatever was going on. Because... Yeah. You know, they're delivering their art to you. They're giving you their their copyright, their their words, their feelings. You've got to help them turn that into something as big as possible, mm -hmm. right? So it's really important that you do that properly and you take it seriously and you don't fuck about. That's lovely. I would never have kind of thought about that as like the skill to be having. Because I guess it's like, it's not about your ego, is it? It's about kind of... Oh, yeah, you've got to drop the ego. Yeah. yeah, it's quite thankless. Like, it's really... But yeah. that's... It's same with most of the areas of, of music business in mm. the background do you know what I mean it's definitely not the the, the you know if we see an artist is not necessarily supposed to shout out their manager or their team or their A&R all the time yeah. it has to feel like it's coming from them and it is coming from them yeah. so you've got to be prepared to do all of that knowing that you know three people might know and half of it the the best people do stuff without anyone knowing yeah you're not here to shout about it mm. do you know what I mean it's just getting it done um so it's quite it's quite an interesting balance you know obviously you want to support yourself and make sure you know especially as a woman mm. that you shout a yeah, bit sure. about your achievements which is not something I necessarily find that easy to do but mm. I'm learning because you have to do it and guys will have half an achievement and shout really loudly and yeah. and that's fine but then you know we've got to learn to do that better so there's a balance to not necessarily getting the thanks but I think it's just generally you've got to be you've got to be selfless you've got to be persistent when it comes to your ideas 
seeing things through. You know, it's really easy to have good ideas. And I probably see through about six out of ten of my ideas, maybe, mm. if that, if that. And that's... That's quite high. Quite high, actually. Yeah. So there's a lot. You've got to be persistent and you've got to have good relationships because people got to want to pick up the phone to you or answer your emails. Yeah, and of course. You're working on behalf of people, so you've got to understand how to represent people in the way they want to be represented as well because, mm. again, it's not about me, so I'm just a vehicle for them to help them kind of do their thing, yeah. you know. I think that's so important in the creative process is leaving your ego at the door because mm. I work in digital, mm. I'm producing things, and if I just want to be right the whole time, the final product's probably not going to be that good. Yeah. Not saying that all yeah. my ideas aren't great because they are, yeah. but, <laughs> but it's about you know that balance of not needing to be correct all the mm. time. Mm. So you've worked with some amazing artists. You work with Emanika, I know you work with. You mentioned Ray Black um, yes, yes. and Gigs. But taking it back kind of to the beginning before all of this, can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into the music industry? Cool. So I um, graduated from uni in 2001, did marketing and business. I think it was marketing and business. That's what, yeah. You know, when it becomes that relevant, what did I study again? I had a great time at uni. It was yeah. fun. But, you know. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Um, Two, one, first. Can't yeah, remember. Whatever. Um, I did go to Germany when I was at uni on a placement six-monther, which oh, was really good fun. fun. Um, anyway, so then just, you know, doing marketing. And at that point, music was just my passion as a, as a person that loved music. Grew up on it. You know, it was music before breakfast. It was music yeah. every week, every day. That's what we lived on. Loved it. Love it. It was just, but never ever knew of a career in it in that sense. Had some friends in a band called Damage. Shout out Damage. <laughs> um, when we were all growing up together, yeah. you know, so we were around with them and kind of went on the road with them a little bit. So we were kind of around it. And I remember Big Life being this label that mm. we went down to there. They were on Margaret Street or Oxford Street. Mm -hmm. And one day we got we went to meet them at the label, and I remember going in there thinking, "Oh my god, this is a record label." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but that was as close as I got to it, mm. and uh, continued. I worked in like market research, and then I managed to find a job in an insurance company. Then I got managed to get a job in a bank, um, NatWest RBS, doing marketing, and then I went to EE to do corporate marketing mm. again. And there I started doing a few music projects. Um, did this thing called Orange Rock Core, which was like a really good initiative to get people to do four hours of community service. And they get to go to this gig at Royal Albert Hall, which we had all oh, the artists cool. of the moment yeah. on the gig. Do you um, who you had? You had like Reg 3-2, oh, okay, yeah. you know, um, Maverick Sabre, yeah, yeah. I think it was James Arthur, whoever, and all sorts of relevant of the moment mm. pop and artists and things, you know, um, N-dubs, various people. <laughs> so I was involved in that and starting to feel a little bit like Groundhog Day, doing well-ish, I guess, in middle, man, middle corporate yeah. stuff and... You know, not really creative. If it sounds, you know, I thought marketing was creative. That's why I chose it, really. Mm. But it's not. It's just doing campaigns to deliver something that they want, which is based on targets and it's yeah. sales related, really, isn't it? So that didn't really excite me anymore. So I was like, hey. And then I have a good friend uh, who's a songwriter and she wanted to put together a girl group. So I started working with her. She has a company called Big Mouth Entertainment, which we made up together. <laughs> we made this company up and started developing this girl group called RD, Rough Diamonds. Oh, amazing. So this is on the side of my on my job. So we yeah. just we just started building this thing. And then we got them signed to Polydor. Amazing. Fast forward. Yeah. And in during the sort of final stages, in the last sort of eight, 
months before signing, we started running out of money. So we decided to do a JV, joint venture, mm. with another management company. And so we approached Modest Management. Mm. And I just at that point, I guess I just wasn't sure exactly if it was for me because it is really intense. I mean, developing a group, managing, working with a friend, doing everything, budgets, trying to come up with ideas, concepts, mm. styling. But then actually what happened was I um, took, managed to get voluntary redundancy. This was in begin, uh, March 2011. Oh, nice. Which was a touch. <laughs> and I was like, great. So left uh, the company, got a nice little bump of money, was looking for jobs in the industry and out. Couldn't find anything, couldn't find any jobs. Yeah. Got to, and my best friend got married in the summer. I was like, right, by the time that happens, I'll have found a job, no job. Mm. And then it got to sort of September. I was like, Shh, this, is, this is looking sticky. I need a job. And I actually, did I sign on? I think I actually signed on mm. for, the, wow. for the first time ever, right? Yeah. Yeah. How old were you at that point? Uh, I was 31, mm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... Um, I got an offer for a job at Ladbrokes, right, (laughs) to work in marketing. And then I got a call about the Modest job because I'd I'd been back and forth with Modest because I'd I'd gone to them and said, look, who's going to look after this project when so-and-so goes on holiday? And they were like, oh, you can do it. So I did it and did a great job and they loved me, but they still didn't have anything for me. So at this point I was like, okay, it's not going to work. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? And then then in the end, I... um, yeah, they offered me a job on this, you know, and I ended up having a choice of the two. It was about a big difference in pay cut. The, the Labrick's job was much more well paid. But I was just like, you know what, I've got to do it. That's such an amazing story. So I think today you have these WIDS kids that specialise in something from university and mm. then they just go and do it. Mm. And you think, like, even now I'm like, oh my goodness, am I going to be doing this all the time like is there any way yeah. of moving but it just goes to show that oh you yeah can. No, you can completely make a, ch- a change mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people that have done it in different ways you know a very good friend is a songwriter was a stockbroker for a long time until she was yeah. a certain age and now she's number one selling songwriter mm. artist producer because you're like, I can always go back to the thing I was got a degree in. I could always, I could even now, I get offered for jobs in marketing, whatever. And you know, I've always got that. That's the beauty of doing a degree and having that background, having that foundation. It is there to support me forever, and no one can take my experience away from me. So no. there might be a time when I actually want that nine to five, whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't think so for now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's interesting. So when people think about the music industry, they think of it as very glamorous and there's probably some preconceptions there of what it's like. What surprised you most when you started out in the music industry? Well, it's a lot of politics, Mm. firstly. I mean, on both levels, when it comes to the labels, agreeing or clearing artists or the competitive nature of deals, for example, uh, a president who used to run a universal label maybe now runs a sony label so he doesn't want the universal labels to get this deal he wants to get it and so he'll go for it at all costs yeah you know there's that kind of stuff and then the pressure that that feeds into the people that are working for them you know you might have somebody who's a brilliant songwriter or a brilliant producer but they won't be able to get into right with or for artists who have had a certain level of success because the a and r that 
is looking after their project won't accept that this new person can deliver for their artist. Yeah. But then that can be based on relationships because another person can make the call and because they've got a good relationship, they'll take that writer. So you have yeah. to present things in the right way at the right time. Mm. Um, and then I think with artists, you know, there's it's just it's just quite surprising that people don't really understand the business side of it, I think, right. even yeah. a lot of the people that work in it. As in the artist? Or as the in, artist yeah. particularly, I think, obviously, the lure of a, a label deal or the lure of being able to release music on a major label or being signed, you know, by anyone. Yeah. They don't realise what they're giving up sometimes and they don't realise what they've got to deliver as yeah. well and then how much they have to deliver to then get a royalty so that they actually earn from it in the future. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. An advance is literally a loan on future earnings. Yeah. With any deal, whether it's book publishing, record publishing, music publishing, whatever. Yeah. I guess that's why your role is so important as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's like if some young kid has come into it and they're given this huge wad of cash and they don't know yeah. what to do with it. And yeah, exactly. They yeah. didn't know that it's a loan. I wouldn't have thought it was a loan if you were given this big. It depends actually on records. I mean, if in publishing, obviously, when I say it's a loan, you don't have to pay the money back. Mm. But if you will ever want to see a royalty, you need to recoup that money yeah. mm. in, by writing enough songs that make enough money in your for your share of of the song or for your part of the deal. But yeah. I guess on the record side, if you give an artist a million pounds to make a record, and they and that record only sells three copies, then tough luck, the record label, mm. like you you lost out there. Do you know what I mean? So it is a little bit different. And in the time you've been in the industry, obviously there's been like huge rise of social media, people going viral mm. now. I read today about that kid who got on stage at Glastonbury who's now apparently being signed. Oh God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Um, yeah. How yeah. do you think the industry has changed and do you think it's a good thing or do you think that there are some negatives to it? I think the industry is it's definitely a much more, it's thriving, it's mm. positive in the sense of, you know, it's full of UK music. Mm. You know, the charts are full of UK music. Yeah. Yeah, Streaming has changed the face of how consumers receive music, how much power labels have, how much power a consumer has. Mm. Shifted the power from radio to streaming services a bit, mm, yeah. or a lot. So that's changed the face of the game. When I go back to politics in terms of you know streaming services, Apple, Spotify, mm. who you give your songs to first. If you do it exclusive for Spotify, Apple might not support you. If you do something with... YouTube, you might not get a Spotify playlist like it can get deep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you've really got to understand the game and mm. have great people internally and great relationships to get the right support from everyone and not piss anyone off when you're having a record out. Yeah. So apart from that, I think that, you know, the increase of streaming obviously has been globally just so important for the new face of music and uh, youth-led culture is driving everything, which is exciting. Do you know what mm. I mean? As someone who has to consider themselves a little bit older now, because I guess I am. I I like <laughs> I really like to keep thinking I'm young. And I think, you know, but there's a whole other generation of people that I could have had one of them um, that are driving the change in consumption, that are doing things their way. You know, music is so exciting yeah. and people are making music in their bedrooms. People are making albums in their bedrooms. People are learning to produce at six years old. People yeah. are becoming songwriters or artists independent of anyone telling them they can. They're doing yeah. it themselves. So that's really exciting. That's a positive thing. Um, I feel like the constant sort of racial issues that we have mm. are boring but unfortunately we have to always talk about it in yeah. terms of like just 
lack of support really from all the from you know luckily we don't need support anymore because consumers saying actually we love this music yeah do you know what i mean it needs you to support it it needs you to play it whatever but to touch on what you mentioned about that kid alex you know he he's nothing wrong with him i was actually at glastonbury at that show loved it it was one of the best moments seeing him jump up on stage and was like go off it was so good but um, AJ Tracy, whose bars he was spitting, has been it wasn't his own was previously. It's not just that. Yeah. It's 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 no problem. Like he was really good at what he did, mm. and he was he had fun. There's nothing wrong with that. And yeah, he's a 15 year old boy. Do you know what I mean? He's reciting the lyrics of one of his favorite yeah. raps on stage at Glastonbury. It's an incredible moment. There's yeah. no he should be on Good Morning Britain. He had yeah. the best time. Mm. But there's been publicly articles in press where AJ has been accused of perpetuating gang violence because. He uh, has gangs in his videos. No, he doesn't. He's hanging out with his mates in his videos. So the yeah. the same artist whose bars are being celebrated by Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain because Alex is spitting them. Yeah. He's being attacked on the news, you know. Yeah. There's an issue there somewhere. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of that. Do you know what I mean? Sure. When it comes to black artists getting support, even followed. So it's always an ongoing thing for me to support talent, yeah. all talent, but particularly I try and help people who I think need a little bit more help. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Going back to your career, what do you think motivates you and drives you, especially when you've had such a change, kind of, I don't know, halfway through, three-quarters of the way through? I'm very passionate about the particular things I've signed and the particular projects I'm working on, so those things daily drive me. I want to do well for everyone that I've looked in the eye and said I'm going to help. And then sometimes you're just sort of like, shit, this is a lot, and like, okay. Um, I personally do yoga to just clear my head and Mm. just get some time to myself I think on a bigger scale I'm motivated obviously by you know potentially being part mm. of creating a legacy with with people having a stamp I've always had this you know fancy of having you know having a stamp on the world you know, I haven't got any children do you know what I mean so it's like having being part of something that yeah. will live on forever it, it means a lot to me but I think right when now, you're living I'm just it doing my thing yeah you're kind of living in in an industry and in a kind of community that you love which yeah, I think yeah. is kind of drive yeah. To, to just keep going, I think sometimes, yeah. yeah, people think that they need to have this final goal they need to get yeah, to. Yeah, no, 100%. It's it. just about keeping going, man. Like, honestly, mm. sometimes it's just like, <laughs> just get me to the end of this day, week, whatever. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, every day is a great day, generally. And and kind of in that, how important do you think ambition and drive has been for you and how important do you think it is in kind of making your way in a career? Yeah, very important. I mean, mm. I've been very self-starting my whole career. Yeah. Everything, every job I've had, I've either been told no or pushed my way in. You have to want something for yourself. You have to want yeah. something more, but it has to come, you know, you've got to work for it. Yeah. And I sometimes think I'm lazy, but I'm, you know. I definitely don't think you're I, lazy. <laughs> but it, you know, I think that's, you know, almost the mark of someone who does, who's all, I've always really worked hard, but I can, yeah. I can be lazy. Like I could literally be like, I can't be bothered to do mm. a thing. But that's probably coming from a safe place because if I do it, I'm probably going to mess it up. So it's like, sometimes it's important to just stop. And mm. I've learned that. And over time, I've learned that it's okay to not be available all the time. It's okay not to be on all the time. Yeah. But coming up, I feel like, yeah, especially when you're in management, you are on all the time. Yeah, Even yeah. if you're on holiday, whatever, at home, whatever, you're on, you're working for your eyes. They need something. If something's happening, you're there, you know, and that taught me a lot. 
And I think yeah, I've carried that into what I do now. So I think I'm pretty comfortable with it now. So I wouldn't say I even feel that p- particularly ambitious. I'm just pretty comfortable. For sure. Yeah. And how did you kind of manage that at the start, being on all the time? Like, did your friends and family understand, you know, like if you're at like a family dinner and you've got to take a call, I know that can be hard. You know what, they were, they were all really actually, yeah. Everyone's yeah. been, all my friends and family have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, obviously it was annoying. It's been annoying for people. You have to let people down. You can't, you make plans. You have to cancel. You're there and you're on your phone all the time. Mm. And it can be really, really annoying. <laughs> and um, I'm really lucky. Got really great friends. And my family were always like super supportive. And you've worked with some amazing artists in your career. Yeah. Have you learned anything from them along the way? Uh, yes, gosh, my God, yes. I've learned <laughs> a lot from the artists I've worked with. I don't even know where to start. I mean, I've been very close to most of the artists I've worked with. Mm. I worked with Alexandra Burke very wow. closely for yeah. a while when I first started at Modest. Amazing. Um, we became very close and I worked with, you know, I helped her and worked with her and helped to manage her and... You know, it was a really good early experience for me in management mm. because it was a machine and you're on it and she was a assigned artist, so you're you're working actively for her, with her, with her label, with everything yeah. that's around her. So that was just a good early learning experience and got to know her really well and it was nice. Mm. And then I worked with Misha B and mm. that taught me a lot personally and professionally because we got very close, almost like sisters. Yeah. And also I was managing her and developing her. We had a, you know, we had a great shot at it. And she made some great music and we did some really good stuff together and all of that. Um, and managing her was was really enjoyable but challenging because she, you know, had some challenges on the yeah. show. And she was a young girl and so she just wasn't able to handle the pace of being an artist at that level mm. with those pressures. So that was a big learning curve for me. And then Emanike, obviously. He's like my baby. Mm. Um, I worked with him from 2013 until I left, 2017. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, learned so much from him. So much, so much. He taught my ears. He trained my ears. Amazing. You know, In what way? So this is how I know he trained my ears. When I left Modest and I've come to be an A&R, mm. you know, in a publishing A&R, and it was nerve-wracking and, you know, my job is to sign and discover and develop mm. talent. So you've really got to trust your own ears. Mm. So going into it, it's just a bit nerve-wracking. God, what do I what do I like? What do I what will I put my neck on the line for? What do I love? You start consuming music in that way, listening to music. And it was just interesting for me to realise how much I did know and how much faith I had in my ears because I'd been yeah. doing it for him and with him the whole time, but it just wasn't called A and R. I was just his manager. But I would be fully involved in the writing process and feeding back on songs and setting up sessions and basically doing exactly what I now do, but just for him. Yeah. But again, there was a box around it, which was you're a manager. Hmm. And I just didn't associate my role within that space with what I was now doing. And then I was like, oh, like I've always had an opinion on his music and yeah. other music, lots of music. I, and that's really all it is. It's quite, it's a very personal thing. You just got to have, be brave to share it with people and get yeah. them to go along with it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's about taste, isn't it? Yeah, so, for sure. yeah, he really made me realise that. It's lovely to hear you like chat about, especially like the journey you went on with Emanike and other artists and stuff. But is it, is there ever a downside to getting so close to the people you're working with? I mean, you just, 
you learn over time mm. to not damage your relationships by getting too close sometimes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You have to create boundaries, mm. I guess. If those, if that professional relationship ends and there's a reliance personally, then it's like there's an issue there. Um, but I don't know. I just think generally it doesn't really bother me. I've got great personal relationships with most people I work with. Yeah. And we know what it is, do you know what I mean? But we're, we're friends, we're real yeah. friends. And I, I, I hate the idea that people think that just because you work with someone, you can't be real friends with them. Yeah. I, I think you absolutely can. I'm a shoulder to cry on. I'm there for them. And I would always, I would never t not do that. You know, what you shouldn't be doing is like partying and hanging out and being like busy mates tonight and then tomorrow getting upset when they can't get up for their session mm. or can't get in their cab to yeah. do that. You can't do that <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? So you have to have a professional boundary where you know that you can still get your artist to do something because that's your job. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Obviously, if they want to do it, but, it, you know, sometimes the ego or whatever kicks in and I don't want to do that anymore. Even though I suggest I want to do it, I don't want to do it. Sorry, not doing it. Tell them I'm not doing it. And how do you manage that? Well, you have to remind them of what they've agreed to. You have to remind them of the consequences of not doing it. It's still, for me, it's like, look, it's always your decision if you really don't want to do it, but this is what might happen if you don't do it. Mm. Is it worth it? Decide. <laughs> <laughs> What's been the highlight of your career? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, I guess it has to be boasty at this point mm. because it's such an achievement and I'm still a bit like, oh, my gosh. It's on 150 million streams wow. and still going, still doing about a million a week. Wow. Your best video. Maybe still top 100 video. chart for the last 25 weeks. Mm. Best video, top five video of the mm. year. You know, all of that. Working with Idris was a dream. Yeah. Uh, Wiley's been great, you know, a bit of a pain, but great. Love him. <laughs> uh, Steph was great. Yeah. Sean was great. It was just the whole thing just was toddler tea, smashed it. Working with, like, people that I work with within BMG building to make this record and having fun doing it, getting the support to do it. You know, I spent a lot of their money mm before this was anywhere close to being a hit and having that support was amazing. What you know? I love about that video is that, like, obviously they've got amazing, huge people in it, Idris is in it, but that kid steals the video. Oh, my God, Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn is a kid just steals the video. <laughs> he was, <laughs> oh, my God. On. I love it. He was unbelievable. Yeah. The best young person. Really? Uh, we did, we did um, auditions to find him yeah. down. We did at some studio in West London. We uh, saw, yeah, about, uh, maybe about 20, 30 kids. Um, but he stood out. Like, there wow. were some other good ones, to yeah. be fair. And at one point, we were going to get a girl, and we were basically going to do, like, a little boss lady, sort of apprentice style. Yeah. Um, and we had a couple of candidates, but it, ju it just it, it just wasn't quite there. Yeah. Anyway, so Brooklyn, yeah, he absolutely smashed it. For sure. Um, and do you feel like you have to play a kind of certain role when, traditionally speaking, the music industry is seen as quite masculine? Like, are there moments where you feel like you have to maybe speak up a bit more to make your voice heard? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, mm. there's definitely a boys' club out there. Mm. But, you know, we're take, I'm taking steps, we are taking steps as women mm. to have our own clubs, yeah. you know? And so we... That's good to hear. We're not, we're not relying on, on the men to bring us in. I've got all my own relationships. But I think sometimes it can get a little... It's a fine line between paranoia and actual sexism or whatever yeah. because sometimes sometimes it is just what it is you know and it would be that if you're a woman or a man 
and you've got to know what that is because the industry is tough and sometimes people are cutthroat. They'll they'll say yes and then they'll cancel on you or they'll agree to something and change their mind or whatever it might be. And that's not necessarily about sexism. That's just the way the business goes. But sometimes you might get fobbed off a little bit more yeah. or you might they might not take your call or they might try it on with you in the meantime or they might, you know, like just mess you around a little bit more than they would one of their bros. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. Who they're in the WhatsApp group with. For sure. And in that kind of vein, do you think your career would have been any different if you were a man? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. You know, but it depends on what kind of man. If I was a black man, mm. I mean... It depends, do you know what I mean? I think it's changing now. There's a lot more people coming into music from passion as opposed to from pedigree. Right, yeah. And which is incredible. But I think that over my first years in music were pedigree-based. Everyone around me come from some private school or had an uncle in something, and it wasn't yeah. like there was no equality, as you might want to call it, or diversity, really. Mm. It was a bit tokenist. Mm. Yeah. Um, fast forward to now... It's very diverse. You know, you can really be in the, in, in the music game if you want, no matter where you're from, mm. as an artist or as an executive. And that's incredible. So big strides forward, but there's still layers of bullshit, you know, that you just have to, you just have to sort of work out. And I'm trying, try and ignore it. But yeah, it, it's the subtle stuff. And sometimes it's downright blatant. Mm. Yeah. And you have to choose how to deal with it because... Even sometimes you're so shocked you don't even call it out because you're like, what? Yeah, yeah and sometimes to call it out, it only kind of escalates. Only starts something people, else yeah, and yeah. you're like, oh, let me just leave it. You know, yeah. there's a lot of that. I think, yeah. you, know, you know, how to deal with it is some really good advice. Mm. But mm. would you have any other advice for kind of women who are wanting to start in the industry? Yes. I mean, I think that you could decide firstly what, what area you want to work in if you know. Mm. Some people are quite clear about A&R because it is very music-based, so it's not so much about the nurturing and the looking after and the diary and this and that. It's about your full-on passion for the music and discovering artists and things like that. So if you know that's who you are, then just start doing it. Just start scouting and just start doing that. Maybe join... There are so many female collectives, PRS Do One, Girls I Rate, Girls mm. Talk, Gal Dem. I mean, on, on untold number... Join things, go to things, be present, put yourself out there, you know. And if, you, if you're if you finding talent and finding music and sharing that with people, someone will either take you on as an intern or someone might notice you in that way. Yeah. BBC do really good introducing things. If you want to be a manager, it's either, you know, the best way to be a manager is to find something you want to manage and start managing them. Yeah. And there's dozens of artists on Instagram or online, on YouTube, that would be, will be begging for management. Someone to just help them book gigs, someone to help them get their music online, someone who can help them get their video up. Do stuff, you mm. know. They may start getting really popular and then you can start taking them to meetings, get them a lawyer, mm. and maybe you could start taking them to label meetings. All of a sudden, you've got a signed artist. Yeah. So it all kind of starts with the artist. So yeah. like, what new artists are out at the moment that make you excited about working in music? Is there anyone you want to kind of shout out or...? Caitlin Scarlett, who I met last year, who is lovely. She's amazing. And she is amazing, yeah. Kidda Cuds, amazing mm, Afrobeat yeah. artist. She's on the Vise. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> um, any other artists? I mean, there's a lot of new 
voices that are signed and coming through, like Hamza, that I really like, Mira May. Mm. There's lots of music from lots of young girls, lots of young females developing music. Yeah. There's lots of, there's a constant stream of new artists. It, it can get a little bit oversaturated, so sometimes it's hard to find the good stuff mm. because there's just so much music. But that's exciting. I guess. But yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. 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 Um, and final question, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self just starting out in music? I'd say don't wear weaves because they break your hair, <laughs> firstly. Yeah. Um, secondly, I'd say, like, literally just go for it. Be fearless. Have, trust your instinct put everything in, study music, listen to music, enjoy it. Don't lose your passion for enjoying music. You know, yeah. It's not, music isn't a job. And sometimes I've had to remind, like, sometimes I go, like, what do I want to listen to at the weekend? And I'm stuck because I'm so consumed with mm. work. Yeah. The, the way I'm consuming music on a work level that I'm like, I just want to hear something and enjoy it right now. Yeah. So you have to go back to that as regularly as you can so that you're like... You know, and I do, you know, go to gigs, go out, enjoy, just have some of your friends, like, forget the industry shit. Do you know what I mean? Don't don't become an industry person. Yeah. I never did. I, hope, I never became an industry person, I don't think. So, yeah, it's fun. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to, I just take it in my stride. Do you know what I mean? I'm just trying to help people do good things. Um, enjoy it. It's, you know, it's a good, it's a good time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I know a lot of people don't enjoy what they do. I see it around me. And that's life. Yeah. But, so I'm really grateful to have a job that I love you know yeah awesome Amazing. thank you so much well, thank you yeah that's a lovely note to end on it so thanks so much thank thanks you. for coming on the show <laughs> thank you <laughs> thanks Hello and welcome back. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with the lovely Shah Grant. Mm-hmm. Gosh, the music industry is vast. I think if you want to do well from it, from what I took from that conversation, is learning all the different bits and just putting in the years and just keep grafting because it's about relationships and it's about knowing people and it's about just doing your time. Yeah. What was really lovely was how much she just believes in the artist she works with Mm -hmm. and how much she kind of just wants to bring them up and wants to make them the best that they can be. It wasn't really about her. It was just about her passion for the music and the people she's working with. And that's what all creative work should be, really. And it's not just the music industry. It's about Shah's passion for the artists that she's working with specifically and Mm -hmm. wanting to kind of work from grassroots or whatever stage that is, but really promoting those people yeah we spoke for a long time but I could have spoken to her all all day (laughs) (laughs) and I'm now really hungry so I'm going to go and get some food because we've been chatting for about two hours thanks for listening and we will be in your ears again next time bye bye so if you like the podcast follow us at how do you do pod on twitter and instagram and leave a review and like and subscribe always like and subscribe because it's apparently a big thing yeah yeah do that <laughs> <laughs>